It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. I was recently reading a devotional book, and this caught my attention. When the author said, I've never been this close to death. It's literally inside of me where life should be. Hmm. And I remember stopping at that moment as I thought about those words. And you're, you're already crying. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I've never thought about a miscarriage like that. You know, I'm literally carrying life and that life has died inside of me. Yeah, I read the same book and um pretty excited. We have Abby Wedgworth in the studio with us. She's the author of those words. I've never read anything quite that descriptive, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of uh, how you felt. But Abby, welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks. I'm so honored and excited to be with you guys. We're excited to have you. And this book, like that hit me. And this whole book has hit me because you've written a devotional. Tell us about that. Like, how did that come about? Oh, it was an honor. I still can't believe it. It's one of my favorite books, and I read it so excitedly, and I don't even feel like it's arrogant to say that because I feel like the Lord just did it. <laughs> I was going to say, one of your favorite books is your own book? Yes, I read that book. In fact, I was I was reading it in preparation for this interview, just reviewing and thinking, man, can we get that girl to come to the interview? <laughs> I don't even Funny. feel like I wrote it sometimes. But I, as I walked through our own experience of loss, I blogged and shared publicly because at that time, you know, I just had a blog following and value sharing with readers in real time rather than when we arrive on the other side of something. And so I shared really publicly about our miscarriage and I repeatedly got the question, what resource would you recommend? What resource would you recommend? And there are so many resources for women who experience the loss of life in the womb, but I found myself hesitant with a lot of them because none of them did exactly what I wanted Hmm. What did you want? So some offer fluffy falsehoods or trite platitudes, and I wanted a resource that was just the word of God, something that will not shy away from the hard questions. Is God in control? Is God good? If this happens, what sort of other suffering may be lurking around the corner? Those are real questions. And I think many people grieve this sort of experience privately. It's Hmm. a unique kind of grief because there's a hidden nature to what's been lost. And so I just wanted a companion a theologically sound companion that would walk a woman through in reading portions that she could process while her body was tired and her mind was was weak. So That's so sweet because I know that you have ministered to our son and his wife as they've gone through some miscarriages and you have been a source of comfort, of hope. And, and I like that too, a biblical sound teaching on this area too. Yeah, I love how your book is all Psalm 139, which is this powerful psalm, but I've never seen it really applied the way you did. Mm. So tell us your story. I mean, we know this. You have three sons now. I do. Married, yeah. a mom, mm-hmm. a wife, a busy life, an author. Mm-hmm. But walk us back to, you know, the beginning of where this book came from. So our first son, Will, around his first birthday, we found out that we were pregnant and we were not trying to be pregnant. And I felt a little overwhelmed. Like, how am I going to do two car seats? You know, my husband works a lot and we had strategically planned, like, everyone will be out of diapers before the next person comes. Um, So it was a shock, that pregnancy. And 
Then we got to the point where we were really excited. We went for the first ultrasound, and I remember praying with David on the way that we would hear a heartbeat, and we did, which is such a blessing. Mm. That sounds the hoofbeats. It's such a great sound to hear. And then I was so sick, just vomiting all day, every day. And the next appointment, four weeks later, I walked in, and the doctor wheeled in the the machine because the Doppler wasn't picking up the heartbeat. And so he wheeled in an ultrasound machine, a portable one, and was trying to find the heartbeat. Couldn't find the heartbeat. Of course, the baby must be hiding, right? So they sent me to the waiting room. I texted my sister-in-law. It didn't occur to me that we may have lost the baby until she walked in the door. She lived about eight minutes away. Until your sister-in-law walked in. She came when I said, they're having trouble finding the heartbeat. Mm. And she came and sat with me. So I wouldn't be alone. When we went back to the actual ultrasound room for them to look even then I was just holding out hope I didn't naivety I don't know and they measured the baby and said they it should be measuring about this big and this is how big it is and I looked at her and said is there no heart and she said no the baby is gone and I can remember just sobbing Mm. I was just shocked Mm. you know you know the statistics but you just don't think and statistically, after hearing a heartbeat, the likelihood of loss of life in the womb plummets after that. It goes way down. And so I was just shocked. I didn't want it to be true. I remember apologizing profusely to my doctor, who was so gracious. Mm. And he said, you should cry. Mm. A loss of life is always worth grieving. I'm so grateful for God's kindness to give me a doctor who believed that. Mm. My husband came from work, and it just was a sad day. And I felt sort of, there were a lot of complicated emotions for me. I felt like I had my theological ducks in a row. I love theology. (laughs) I felt like I had a solid theology of suffering. But experiencing it that way, you know, you mentioned those opening words, death had occurred within me. That's Mm. incredibly close. Mm. And it really was the beginning of a deepening of my faith from knowing to believing um, that God was good, that he was in control, that he was for me when this had happened. I mean, look at Jesus Hmm. at Lazarus' tomb, right? He knew what was coming. He knew the truth and he grieved in outrage, in outrage. And I think that was one of the most beautiful things, Dave, about this experience was I, I appreciated so much the incarnation and that we have a suffering savior and he felt so with me in my grief, outraged over death. And God's plan of redemption cannot be miscarried. Mm. I'm just so grateful for his suffering Savior who's with us and who came to undo that sadness. And you're saying that you already had this theology of suffering. Mm. What's that mean? Because I think a lot of people, they can experience that. And their thought is, God, how could you allow this to happen? Yeah. Well, theology is what we believe about God, right? And suffering is bad things that happen. So if we believe God is good, how can bad things happen? I mean, and none of us in this room can pretend that we can fit that in a box, that we can tie a bow on really neatly, right? It's an incredibly complicated question. It's an incredibly complicated question. But I think, you know, for me, it's looking to the cross and realizing, you know, God did not withhold Uh, his own son Mm. you know you look at the cross and you see the answer to that question it's a complicated question but when we behold the son of god slain for the sins of the world bad things happen in order that 
things might be redeemed. And and bad things happen because we live in a fallen world, right? Yeah. I mean, things are not as they should be. They're not as they were intended to be or created to be. But thanks be to God for Christ, mm. who has defeated death. And one day will come again and wipe every tear. Mm. And there will be no babies who died too young anymore. So the cross has been such a help to me as I consider how can a good God allow bad things it pleased God to send his son and and to endure that suffering on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard tension to hold. But I think we run to a just God who is loving and we see that he did not withhold his son and can say, how will he not graciously give us all things? Mm. So even though you know that God is good, yes. you're still asking those questions of kind of just walking through those questions. Like, I don't get it. What was the point yeah. is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And our questions are welcome at the throne of grace. Like it is an act of worship to ask questions because when we question the creator of the universe, we acknowledge him to be the one who knows all things, right? When we say, how could you allow this? We acknowledge that he's omnipotent, that Mm -hmm. he is all powerful. When we say, you know, how could you allow this a bad thing? We acknowledge that he's good, Mm -hmm. right? We're revealing or presenting the dissonance that we feel like is happening. If you're good, how can this bad thing be happening? Well, I'm thinking I like that though, as you, as you share that, that it's okay to question God. Yes. Because our kids come to us all the time questioning us. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't get what you're doing. Like, Mm -hmm. tell us what you're thinking, which I'm so happy when they come to me with their questions like, oh, let me explain my heart or let me just love you. Or And you're saying God welcomes it when we're struggling. We're not demanding it, but we're saying, God, I don't get it. Yeah. When you're going to, that builds a relationship, right? When your kids come exactly. to you with their questions. And so what did you hear when you would say, God, I don't get it. Did you just have a sense of peace? Mm, well, I think if we want to hear from God, what do we do? We read the Bible because God speaks to us. You know, and many times in many ways he spoke to people throughout the ages. And now he speaks to us through his word. And so I read the book of Job in the wake of our loss. And that just... I felt very struck by him answering Job with himself. Um, Abby, that is amazing because I, we tend to stay away from the book of Job. I would be like, I'm oh, not going to yeah, Job. He might oh, take the rest of my time. It's such worse. a great book for miscarriage because everyone has answers, yeah. like yes. Job's friends. Right? Did you get answers? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Bless their hearts. <laughs> People are so well-intentioned, and they say the most unhelpful What should we not things. say to our friend oh. that had a miscarriage? Whew, let's open that can. Yes, do. <laughs> I should mention my experience is one experience of mm-hmm. loss, but one of the gifts of talking about this loss publicly is getting to hear from so many women. So anything that begins with at least, you know, you say at least you are early. What are you saying? You're saying mm-hmm. that was less of a life, which if you believe in the sanctity of life, that life begins at conception, whew, check yourself. And if you've read Psalm 139, God knits us together. Yes, intricately. Yeah, I think anything that begins with at least, promises that are not given in Scripture, things that aren't true. I think also when we're too quick to relate, Mm. you know, like this is how it was for me. Miscarriage is different for everyone. It's not the same for everyone. You know, whether it was a surprise, whether it wasn't, whether it's your sixth pregnancy or your first, it's different. Um, How far along you are makes a huge difference in terms of, the physical trauma of miscarriage and then also how you grieve and move forward. So I think 
listening is a great idea. And then what is good to say? What ministered to your heart when mm-hmm. people, what did they do or say that was helpful? Yeah, I was grateful. God's given us an entire hymn book to sing, to make it through life, write the Psalms. And so many of those are songs of lament. I'm so grateful. My church sings through the Psalms every summer we have a preaching series a teaching series on the psalms and they don't shy away from psalms of lament i felt really shepherded by people offering words to my pain rather than trying to rush me to the other side of it you know he walks through the valley of the shadow of death god prepares him a table and in the presence of his enemies there's no running through the hard stuff and so when believers would offer me words to sing as i walked through Mm. the very long road that was grieving this loss, I was grateful. And it's enough to say, this is really hard. And I'm really sorry. I'm sad with you. I'm confused with you. I had my best friend while I was writing this book, lost a baby at 22 weeks, baby girl. And her name was Lily. And if the baby is named, use the baby's name and say, I'm really sad to not know Lily today. You know, mm. but I think you follow the grievers lead. You follow the sufferers lead. And that's incarnational ministry to be with someone where they are, mm. not where you think they should be. I think those are really wise words of just being there with them, yeah. loving them. Yeah. How long was your walk? I mean, you never stop walking, yeah. but how long was it before you felt like you were back we, to life? We were unable to try to conceive again, which felt important to me, yeah. you know, as a marker to sort of move forward. But we were unable to try to conceive again for 10 months. And this is why allowing someone to walk, meeting someone where they are in their grief is such a gift because when we do that, we participate in the work of the Lord. We participate in redemption because when we view the other side and, you know, quote, the other side of grief as salvific, we're mistaken. And the beauty of walking, you know, I thought pregnancy, that being pregnant again Mm. would be the other side of grief. Mm. And it wasn't. Having that baby was not the other side of grief. I mean, I'm teary talking with you guys about this, what, five years later? But the beauty of when we don't place our faith in the other side of grief is that we long for the other side of fallenness. We long for redemption. It teaches us to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Mm. And that is the true other side of grief that we should be longing for, not placing our faith in these temporary hopes. So I think grief is a lifelong journey. For sure. Yeah, I think someone has described it to me as a box with a button. I don't know if you've heard this before, mm-hmm. but you shake this box. And in the beginning, when when grief is fresh, the box is being shaken a little more. You know, anything, seeing a mom with two kids in the grocery store when you only have one is a trigger, hits the button, makes you cry. And then over time, the box sort of settles. So it's not, the button's not getting bumped as much. That ball isn't bumping the button as much. So you cry less. Yeah, the box is shaking. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it it was helpful for me. It sort of slows down, but it doesn't mean the button's gone. And this is not just really, we're talking about things that aren't just miscarriage. This is just suffering in general. Yes. What you said earlier is so pivotal in terms of having a theology of God's character in the middle of suffering. Mm. When you feel like God dupes you, you know, he He lays something out, like gives you hope, and then, again, you feel like he takes it away. That mm. is so difficult. I mean, it's like that's when I find out, do I really have a theology that I can walk through a valley and get through it? with a God who really does care, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. it's, 
it's when you you find out is this real or not it's it's yeah. the heart and i think that has to be built before the suffering mm-hmm. you don't you know you don't build a foundation in a hurricane you build it before the yeah. storm comes so obviously you discovered what a richness mm-hmm. that wasn't as deep before yeah i think what well, we learned by experience mm. You know, we can know things in our head, but the truth is applied to our heart through experience. You know, what we, we sink down roots that allow us to weather storms, right? Yeah. But the reason this book exists is because I wanted to write a book for the woman in it. for whom the roots were not deep enough. Yeah, that's good. And she's in you the know, hurricane. And she's in the hurricane. And that's why, like, okay, what can we do? One passage, hmm. short, short devotion, under a thousand words, simple questions to prompt her when maybe she's not succeeding at self-assessment and space for her to journal with a strap that makes her private. Yeah. You know, and I think too, like a lot of women I hear from who first picked up the book, they're saying, I don't believe right now. Mm. Like it's dark. And there, there's a, a portion of the book that addresses this, that we, we believe that God holds us even when our faith slips out of our own sight, that's worth continuing to walk in the dark. David says, even the darkness is as light to you. And so when things get so dark for us that even our faith mm. feels like it's out of sight, he holds us with his righteous right hand and upholds us. And he's powerful enough to do that. And he's powerful where, enough to preserve us in our doubt. That's, that's where held the title came from. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I'm wondering, Abby, as we close, could you pray mm-hmm. for our listeners? And I'm also, as we were talking, I was thinking, um, makes me teary just thinking about those that are just like they can't get pregnant, Mm. you know, and they are experiencing a whole different loss. So could you just pray for our listeners? I'm thinking of even, it's not just the woman that's gone through the miscarriage, but I'm thinking of her family, her husband, her parents, her friends, you know, that are all suffering, but watching their loved ones suffer too. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you are a God who knows all things. Lord, you know us intimately. You are intimately acquainted with our circumstances. So few eyes see an unborn baby, sometimes not even those of their mother, God, that you see. I pray for the women listening now, Lord, who feel unseen. Lord, would you just help them to believe that they're seen and known by you. And when that knowledge Lord, if it leads to questions instead of comfort, how can he see and allow? How can he see and not intervene? Lord, I pray that you would lift their gaze to the cross, your ultimate intervention for a world that is suffering. I pray that they would be encouraged as they see a Savior who is suffering for them. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who is always present. And I pray that you would help these listeners who are struggling, Lord, would you help them to believe that you're with them? Then on the days where maybe they don't want you to be, where they'd like to escape, Lord, I pray that you would cause them to experience your presence as a comfort, Lord, that you would preserve them and uphold them. Would you move their hearts to pray even in the midst of answers that they don't like, Lord, as you sent your angel to strengthen Christ in the garden when he asked Let this cup pass from me. Lord, would you strengthen them when the answer to their prayers is not what they would want to receive, Lord? I pray for their families. God, would you give them wisdom? Would you set a guard over their lips? Help them to speak in ways that 
uphold, that preserve, Lord, help them to guide these women back to your truth, mm. to things that, that will hold up, to things that are eternal, Lord. I pray that in the midst of these hard things, God, that you would work in mighty ways that would move women to be thankful for what they have endured because of the greater gifts that is you. I thank you for who you are. I pray that you would give us faith to believe and eyes to see. It's in the name of Christ, I pray and believe and ask these things. Amen. to thank David Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. If you would like to purchase the CD of today's program, email us at radio at powertochange.org.au or go to the podcast section of our website, families.powertochange.org.au, where you'll find lots of information, news and resources. Until tomorrow, God's blessings. Music.